Mister. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Good. Okay, so I'm recording this right now. Uh oh. I got a couple emails this week from listeners. Yes. And two of them specifically asked about you. Uh oh. So I'm just gonna basically ask, how are you doing through this pandemic? People want people want to know. Like I'm, I'm the one that talks, and, and people are like, "But what about Tim?" <laughs> well, I mean, uh, professionally, I have not uh, um, gone this long without serving a table in ages, which is very bizarre. Is that weird um, for you? Oh, it's so weird. If you like, I was, I've been serving people for 20 some odd years and then all of a sudden nothing, which is weird. Um, and I miss the money, obviously. No, definitely. Um, but also you and I have opened our own little, uh, food market, uh, gourmet food market, which is pretty awesome. And without this pandemic, we wouldn't have had that opportunity. It's weird when I when I respond to emails from people asking about like how we're doing um, or how I'm doing. I always say that like my life has completely changed because of COVID nineteen, but for some reason it's become better in a lot of ways. Yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, personally, um, I mean, you know, my issues with my personal stuff. Yeah, with my children and such. Uh, that's been very difficult. Um. Yeah, it's it's kind of lonely. I miss seeing people's faces. I miss interacting with people like that. Because seeing people at the market doesn't really count, right? I mean, no, but even just like, like even face-to-face isn't face-to-face anymore. You have the, which I find hard. For sure. Uh, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's put into perspective globally and politically uh, what is important. I mean, the um, disparity between the rich and the poor is much more obvious, I think. We talked about that this morning. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, it is an opportunity to to make things better for a bunch of people, but obviously there's going to be barriers to that. No, absolutely. And so so you're doing you're doing okay. Doing okay. Doing okay. I mean, I mean, we have plans. Knock on wood. If things uh, pull through, we have another business venture ahead of us. Yes. So that'll be good if that happens. And I thought what we should do is because Tim and I, like, I bore Tim all the time with talking about this podcast. That like, I was going to do like an episode of recordings of what it's like to open something else during a pandemic. Which would be, oh, that'd be neat. interesting, yeah. But so, okay, so thank you for letting me call and bother you today. Um, my next question for you has to do with the episode that I'm doing right now. Right. And um, what do you know about the mini ice age that happened in like the Middle Ages? Oh, I don't know anything about that. Have you never heard anything about it? No. Perfect. Okay, so. <laughs> I imagine it wasn't good for crops. Yeah, no shit. So 
Okay, I'm super happy about this. All right, so I've done my research. I'm going to get into the episode right now. Tim, thanks for letting me call you. Um, All right, peace, guys. Thanks for asking. Yeah, we'll, we'll check in with you soon. And we'll get right into this week's episode after this quick break. This new episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by Buzzsprout. Look, if you've ever thought that you wanted to start your own podcast, there is no better time than now, and the easiest way to do it is by going to buzzsprout.com. Buzzsprout can help you get your podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever else you can think of to get podcasts. It's free for the first 90 days, and they even help with monetization and give you up-to-the-minute analytics about every episode you release. I use Buzzsprout to host Let's Talk About Chef, and I will honestly never use anything else. I love being able to see where the show is listened to around the world, and with Buzzsprout, I can do that in about 10 seconds. Like here. Let's check out the last episode of Let's Talk About Chef, which I called Origins. Okay. Origins was listened to in 97 countries from the United States to Australia and South Africa and Belgium, Hong Kong, Zambia, Peru, even Jordan. It was listened to in 2,115 different cities. Uh, You got Toronto, Hatfield, England, Lexington, Kentucky. There, that was about 10 seconds. So head on over to Buzzsprout and start your podcast the best way you can and let them know that Let's Talk About Chef sent you there. The words climate change usually result in one of two different reactions. The first, being told that it's a hoax. And the next, by smarter people, get kind of a look of understanding on your face that we've destroyed our environment by selfishly releasing obscene amounts of carbon into the air with the cars we drive, factories turning out products we don't really need, and factory farming so that steak can always be on the menu. Climate change, despite what you may believe, is here. It's happening. And it's not going away anytime soon. The direct result of climate change is starvation. Crops can't grow. Droughts happen. Fish will always swim to the water is warm or cold depending on their breeding cycle. And human beings, we will die because there is nothing to eat. Because despite how relatively cool we are as a species, we unfortunately need to consume food for energy to survive and make our brains work. The speculation by scientists and the talking heads on television about what is going on when the world heats up in colder climates and gets colder in traditionally warmer ones is just that, speculation. No one really knows how bad it's going to get, but as I have said on this show, the area of Canada that I live in will gradually turn warmer and become similar to the climate of California. But in a lot of places, they will get colder. They will become unlivable. And this has happened before. So, what happens when the world changes around us? When Mother Nature gives us the middle finger and everything that we know all of a sudden becomes different? Well, for 500 years between the years 1300 and 1800, the world went through a mini ice age that resulted in a lot of people dying, mass starvation, religious hysteria, and a humble root vegetable ignored before that time becoming the star of the show. And so today on Let's Talk About Chef... It's the Little Ice Age, or my preferred title, Burn the Witch, Glaciers in Africa, and Why We Eat Potatoes. Hey, 
The lead up to the 1300s was not really a very nice time to be alive. There were plagues and famines and peasant uprisings. Europe was a horror show if you weren't a royal. London, England had a population of around 80,000 people and most of the countryside was spent growing crops like wheat. The world was obviously a very different place back then. And then for some reason, out of nowhere, the world got cold. The Little Ice Age, as it was known, wasn't really little at all. For 500 years, global temperatures plummeted, and both scientists and historians have no idea why. It got so cold that the average global temperature was 2 degrees Celsius. Now, for Canadians and people that live in colder climates, that doesn't sound that bad. But in places like North Africa, most of Europe, and tropical climates that rely on warmer weather for their growing seasons and what their bodies are accustomed to, it was catastrophic. It was so cold that the Baltic Sea completely froze over and Arctic ice made its way so far south that for 310 years, you couldn't sail to Greenland. No one's really sure why the world decided to freeze for 500 years. Some scientists suggest that a lack of recorded sunspots on the surface of the sun during that time may be why. The sun just glowed a little bit dimmer and therefore Earth got colder. Others say that a series of tropical volcanic eruptions pushed clouds of ash into the atmosphere, cooling out the sunlight while it slowly dissipated over centuries. But one of the theories that seems to make more sense is that even though there were no factories or cars or smokestacks, that the Ice Age was actually caused by man. During this time in history, Europeans landed in South America bringing disease with them. The diseases brought over like smallpox decimated native populations because humans had no immunity built up until the Europeans landed. Until they landed, these sicknesses had never existed in the New World before. And it's estimated that over 56 million native inhabitants were killed by diseases that ravaged their populations. There are written accounts by Spanish sailors who landed in South America of huge cities in the jungle with populations in the millions and roads connecting them all together. The Spanish were so amazed at the sheer size of these cities and the insane amounts of gold that they had there that when they sailed back to the New World years after their first trips, they were shocked to find that they had all disappeared. All of the cities, the people, and the agriculture to feed the millions of people were gone, seemingly overnight. Because, when the Spanish left, they left the parting gift of smallpox, and everyone died. The jungle reclaimed the massive cities and farmland, leading to massive amounts of CO2 to go into the atmosphere, which caused global cooling. So, while South America started to regrow and North America froze during the winters, Europeans were seeing something they had never encountered before. Icebergs. With the year-round colder temperatures, huge glaciers and icebergs would form in the Mediterranean. With written accounts of icebergs and glaciers in places like Greece, Albania, and even Morocco. In colder places, like the Alps and Scandinavia, advancing glaciers from the mountains would wipe out entire towns, leading to mass flooding that would kill livestock and crops. There are tax records from Scandinavia during this time showing that countless farmers had to abandon their land because it was all encased in ice. The cold weather even decimated the tropical growing regions in China, where millions of people relied on the huge orange crops that all of a sudden just stopped growing. Olive oil couldn't be made. Wine couldn't be made. And over the course of only a few months, crops around the world failed. 
wheat and vegetables would not grow. Animals wouldn't even breed because their internal clocks on when to have babies were all broken because it was cold all of the time. Even the fish in the waters that so many seafaring cultures relied upon left the freezing waters and headed south to slightly warmer weather. People that lived during the Middle Ages were finding themselves alive during a time when winter was seemingly endless. There were icebergs in Northern Africa, and even the fish and birds had all left them behind. And even the largest fish population in the world of cod, they all went to South Africa. People started starving and dying in record numbers. Nothing was growing because even in the summers, the rain seemed to never stop. In Iceland alone, over half of the country's population died, and it's estimated that 10% of the European population died off in these first few winters alone. Now, because human beings from this time period were kind of hilarious in their religious fervor, of course people started to blame all sorts of things to be the cause of everyone dying. And the most obvious answer to everyone was witches. The sheer insanity of accusing innocent women of being evil witches is one of the most bizarre things that ever really happened. But when crops started failing and the winters lasted longer than ever before and people were freezing to death in August, it naturally didn't take very long for people to start holding witch trials. It's estimated that between 1560 and 1630, over 45,000 women were accused of witchcraft and killed. The most effective way of killing a witch was burning them alive at the stake. But in some villages, the women simply had their legs and arms tied to their sides and they were tossed into the ocean from a cliff. If the women survived, they were a witch. If they drowned, they were innocent. They all drowned. And it sounds crazy, but that happened all of the time. This period of time also resulted in a lot of Europeans blaming Jewish people for the cold weather, which is also completely ridiculous. So when it's cold, not much can grow. And the crops that people were used to harvesting failed, so they turned to one of the only things that can grow in cold weather. The humble potato. More on that after the break. This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by the sheer astounding fact that for some reason you can still get the New York Times for a dollar a week. One dollar for a full digital subscription to the world's best newspaper. Now, I have spent a lot of time telling you why getting your news from social media is a bad idea. I have spent a lot of time telling you why getting your news from Twitter is a bad idea. But, and I will say it again, getting your news from the trusted source of the New York Times for a dollar a week is probably the best thing you could do for yourself. To get a digital subscription to the New York Times for a dollar a week, go to nytimes.com. And now, back to the show. Up until this point in history, potato farming was not very popular, because potatoes did not originate in Europe, they came from the Americas. So when ships started returning from the New World during the Mini Ice Age, overloaded with potatoes, people started growing them because they were one of the only things that would grow. Up until this time, the European diet consisted of bread, rice, and other grains like barley. But even wheat was considered a royal food, and the poor during the Middle Ages, which was basically everybody alive, 
They lived on cabbages, beans, oats, and brown bread, not white bread. So you can imagine how many people starved when the cabbages stopped growing. But in 1492, 192 years into the 500-year Ice Age, people were desperate, and the potato saved them. This is the point when potatoes started appearing in the cookbooks of royal chefs who had started keeping track of the recipes. And it's because of this time and the Little Ice Age that we love potatoes so much and we have so many different ways of cooking them. In Ireland, the potato became so popular that it was the most popular crop in the country, leading, of course, to what happened during the Great Potato Famine, which we will save for another episode. The mini Ice Age eventually stopped, and again, we don't really know why. But the effects of the Ice Age didn't stop both good and bad things from happening. Some bad things, for example, were because of the lack of food for several generations, people had weaker immune systems and severe malnutrition, allowing diseases like the Black Death to spread, leading to events like the Great Plague. In 1588, almost the entire Spanish Armada or sailing fleet was wiped out by an Arctic hurricane that formed because of the freezing ocean waters. In 1666, the Great Fire of London, which burnt down around 80% of London, England, was able to spread so easily because of the extremely dry conditions caused by having such a bitter winter the year before. But some good things that came from the Ice Age were knowledge of how to grow potatoes in the Old World. Chimneys were invented in homes to allow heat to travel up multiple floors of a house. People started preserving food to last through winters in areas where that was never needed before. So canning and jarring of the summer's harvest meant that people could eat fresh vegetables all year. And also, randomly, Stradivarius made his famous instruments during the Little Ice Age. And scientists who have studied his violins have said that the colder climate resulted in the wood that he used in them to be denser than wood can grow normally. And that contributed to why his violins are the greatest sounding instruments in all of history. In the end, human beings are fragile, as much as we don't like to think so. And as the environment changes around us, our food, what we eat and how we grow it, is going to change too. And hopefully we'll have more time to figure it out than those people in the first winter in 1300 that didn't see it coming. Also, hopefully we will blame ourselves for destroying our planet and not witches. The Little Ice Age is a glimpse into what can happen when we are caught off guard. When our food refuses to grow, and even when animals we raise to eat get thrown off and don't breed. And if we can't stop climate change, if we can't stop all of a sudden the reverse happening, and we find ourselves plunging back into an ice age, let's hope that we can at least see it coming. There, did you see what I did there? See, I, I made you think that I had ended the episode on this hopeful note that hopefully we'll see that the world is going to change and things are going to get really crazy. But that's happening. So let's end on a smarter note. Let's pull our heads out of the sand and figure out what we're going to do to survive if the earth keeps heating up and things get really, really bad. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. I want to thank the New York Times and Buzzsprout for letting me talk about them. If you want to write into the show, you can send everything to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at chefbrianclark. I'd also want to thank Tim for uh, letting me talk to him at the start of the episode and for you guys for writing in emails to ask how we're both doing. Wherever you are in the world, I hope that you are safe and happy and that the vaccines are coming. And as always, I'm Brian Clark. Have a great service and have a great week. Cause it's a bit of-